0: Well, I was awoken at five fifteen this morning by fireworks. Gross. So I am a little rough around the edges this morning. Oh no, I hope you had lots of coffee.
1: You're listening to Love Ya, the guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teenage rom-coms. I am your co-host, Martha Sullivan, young adult librarian and YA lit consumer, and I am here as always
0: with my other co-host. I am Maren Hagman, adult services librarian and romantic comedy enthusiast. And today we
1: are going to be discussing the 2018 uh adaptation a wrinkle in time but before we get into our discussion just real quick just real quick <laughs> words are hard this morning
0: <laughs>
1: how are you doing today Maron?
0: uh today is a, a little tougher um i was woken up at five thirty in the morning by some fireworks um so i am uh, drinking a lot of coffee this morning um how are you martha
1: I'm doing okay. Uh, For listeners at home, we are recording this on uh, Sunday, July 5th, um, after... The Fourth of July, which I, I guess a lot of people didn't hear, was canceled this year. We are we were not celebrating the Fourth, for a variety of reasons. Um, but that did not stop the fireworks from coming thick and fast. Basically, for the last mm, three weeks
0: or so. <laughs> well, and I um, will say we took advantage last night. We actually had quite a. We almost had like a, a, a fireworks show just from our porch. Um. We started we were over at a friend's, um, and we started hearing them constantly and we realized the direction they were coming from. We could see them from our porch, so we walked over and got an excellent view at a lot of fireworks and it was very pretty and it was very nice. And then we went to bed and then I got woken by the fireworks and was yeah.
1: not. Yeah, I just spent some time in my backyard yesterday reading um, because after the sun started to go down, it wasn't as brutally hot. Um, And I finally went inside because three to four uh, bomb-like booms were as much as my nerves could handle being outside.
0: Understandable. Understandable. Um, Yeah, people were actually, in Milwaukee at least, were pretty respectful of they they really didn't start until it was dark out, and it was, like, you could actually see them, which I appreciated. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Oh, I'm sorry, Martha. I just, I don't understand the impetus to light off fireworks when it is not dark out.
1: I mean, it's gotta be just the boom. I guess so. I think that some people just enjoy listening and watching things explode
0: Some people just want to watch the world burn
1: yes that um so yes we are talking today about a wrinkle in time which came out in 2018 it was directed by ava duvernay uh, and stars storm reed as meg uh, Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon, and Mindy Kaling as Mrs. Which, Mrs. What's-It, and Mrs. Who. Uh, Levi Miller as Calvin, Derek McCabe as Charles Wallace, Meg's younger brother. And my favorite, personal favorite <laughs> parts, uh, Gugu mbatha Ra and Chris Pine as Meg's parents, uh, Mrs., Mr.
0: and Mrs. Murray. I was wondering how soon it would take us to get to your... Love of Chris Pine, uh, reporting boyfriend. in at nine minutes and 40 seconds.
1: I'm honestly, I'm impressed that I held out that long. <laughs> Chris Pine is my Hollywood boyfriend. He is the best Chris. I will not take any arguments. Chris Evans is a superior Chris just in the world of Chris's, but Chris Pine is still my number one.
0: And just so our listeners know, Martha and I have hashed this out. At least once on Twitter, so this is an ongoing conversation.
1: Well, and honestly, I think that the the ranking of Chris's is subjective to a certain point, as long as we all agree that Chris Pratt is the bottom of the Chris's.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Hmm. Oh yeah. He, you may not be as extremely online as I am, Um, he is part of a church that thinks really bad things about gay people.
0: Oh, I did not know that. That is unfortunate.
1: Yeah, he has turned into not like a loud Republican douchebag, but definitely unapologetically conservative in a way that I find gross. Hmm. And makes it hard to watch reruns of Parks and Recreation.
0: Yeah, it seems pretty antithetical to, to his character of Andy.
1: And also, I thought the Jurassic World. I thought I didn't see the second one, but I thought the first one was bad.
0: Oh yeah, it was. I would say a waste of time. Agreed. Yeah. Hmm.
1: All right. But today. Yeah.
0: Today but today we, we can talk about, about your favorite, time.
1: Chris. <laughs> <laughs> would you like to give our listeners a quick synopsis of this film? Sure.
0: Um, so A Wrinkle in Time is about a middle schooler named Meg Murray um, whose father um, disappeared four years ago, um, and she is having a tough time. Um, and her younger brother um, introduces a stranger over at their house one night. Um, and the stranger starts talking about a tesseract, um which is uh, a scientific concept that Meg's father was working on before he disappeared. Um, Meg and her younger brother, Charles Wallace, um along with one of Meg's classmates calvin, um walk past the house walk past a seemingly abandoned house. Charles Wallace takes them in um, The house turns out to be owned by Mrs. Who. Um, who can only speak in uh, quotations? Um, they go back to Meg's house. Um, Mrs. What's It and Mrs. Who appear in their yard, um, and then another um, Mrs. Witch. Um, and then um, the three misses um, take Charles Wallace, Meg, and Calvin um, through the Tesseract, um, and they start kind of exploring the universe to find Meg's father. Um, first, they start out on a, a beautiful planet, um Uriel. Um, they figure out that Meg's father is on a a planet um that has been taken over by the it, which is an evil force in the world. Um, and as the three misses, try to transport them back to earth, um Meg's will to find her father is so strong um, that she takes them to the evil planet um, where her father is. Um, the three Misses can't be on the evil planet, um, so they give, um, Meg, Calvin, and Charles Wallace some advice, um, before they disappear, um, and then, um, Meg, Calvin, and Charles Wallace, well, first, Meg and Calvin get separated from Charles Wallace, um, and they have to find him, um, and the planet, like, keeps changing, like, there's, like, a forest pops up and then there's like a a cyclone um they find Charles Wallace they get into like kind of a Stepford situation for a bit um then they get to a beach and they meet this guy who claims to know where her dad is um and he turns out to be evil um and he hypnotizes Charles Wallace um and then kind of following the evil guy and hypnotize Charles Wallace. Um, Meg is able to find um, where her father is. Um, and um, then she has to both get her dad and Calvin back, but also make Charles Wallace not be evil anymore. Um, and and does that with, with the power of love. Um, and then they all go home and uh parents are reunited and did i forget anything so i had
1: seen this before i actually went to see this one in theaters um, because it is based off of a book of the same title by madeline lingle that i read as a child and loved very very much um, but before I get into my feelings about this, this was your first time watching this movie, correct? Yes. Yes. And you had not read the book before. Have I, not read the book.
0: I think I had, but I didn't remember it. I think it was something where like one of my teachers like read a chapter aloud, you know, after recess. Um and I just it did not stick with me. Um so this is I guess my first point like really consuming a regular in time as like, well, not just an adult, but like remembering it.
1: What did you think about it? Because this was a very divisive movie when it came out.
0: Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess i I thought it was very well done. Um, it looked very good. I um yeah i thought I thought the the visual effects were really good. Um, I thought Storm Reed was very good as Meg. Um, I think I am coming to this story too old to really, like, feel that attachment. Um, so I think it's, like, one of those things where I was like, oh, this is a very well-done movie. This movie is not kind of in my wheelhouse, um, but I'm glad it exists. Um, and I, I think they did a good job with it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess as a, I appreciated it, I did not love it, I guess would be the distinction I would make. Okay. Yeah.
1: I did and do. (laughs) (laughs) I love this movie without apology. Um, One of the criticisms that was leveled at it when it, was released. So in the book, a lot of the back half of it, particularly when they get to Kamazot's, is all very internal.
0: Mm. Like, it's all
1: very conceptual. Okay. And so a lot of the criticism was that, A, it would be pretty impossible to render a lot of that internal conflict into um, like Extra- visuals. Yeah. And then people were critical of how DuVernay managed like how she did it um I think that for the material that she was working with I I love the result I think that a lot of it rests on the charisma of the actors I'm totally willing to um concede that you know with a Mm -hmm. I think Storm Reid was great um but yeah and I think that it ended up not matching up to what a lot of people had kind of conceived mm. as like their own um, mental image of the events of the back half of the book. Okay. Um, which is fair. I mean, it's either going to work for you. I think that this is a story and a film that either works for you or it doesn't. Okay. Um I am rendered incoherent with tears in the scene right before they consult the happy medium when Oprah tells uh, Meg that like a million different coincidences and chances since the birth of the universe had to occur to create you and mm. you are exactly the way that you were meant to be like that scene has me on the floor every time I watch Aww. it. <laughs> um but that is that is usually true for me like
0: mm-hmm.
1: any any kind of story that where a a character who doesn't think well of themselves is told by somebody that like no you're exactly the way that you're meant to be is just one of my like not triggers that's that's too strong of a word but like definitely one of my uh buttons I guess mm. <laughs> um and I just thought I thought that for for taking material that I feel must have been very resistant to adaptation, I think Deverney did a really good job in kind of materializing it
0: mm-hmm.
1: because this is this is a, a a story that is dealing with a lot of very high concept kind of things.
0: yeah, and I will admit I you know funnily enough. Of- of anything, honestly, it really reminded me of Interstellar, um,
1: which is actually which is interesting to hear you say. I don't disagree with you, but I hated Interstellar. Okay,
0: huh? <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess to be fair, I had a similar reaction to Interstellar, and this of just like this was well done. This is not like for me. Um, but um, yeah, I think just like. Yeah, you either kind of have to, especially, like, that last bit of Interstellar where they're going, you know, kind of to, where Matthew McConaughey goes to, like, the future world or whatever we want to call it, um, travels through the, the Tesseract, um, like, you have either by that point, like, bought into it and are like, oh, my God, he's reunited with his daughter, ah, or you're like, the books were the message? This is stupid. Like
1: just a little bit where I was with stuff,
0: Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I think I was the the rare person in the middle, kind of like, huh, that's what I we're think, doing. All right. I think I think I would have been mm-hmm. if it had been half an hour shorter. Oh, that's fair. It's a it's a needlessly long film. Um. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I I kept thinking about that, so I feel like I don't know. Oftentimes with like sci-fi movies, I feel like they're just like not necessarily for me. Sure um, Just because that's not as much my wheelhouse um, So my default is kind of just like Taking a step back and being like
1: Oh, okay, that's what they're
0: doing there Got it um,
1: I will say that in the world of sci-fi This one's pretty soft
0: True, true um, The
1: this, the science in this one is I don't know what the word I'm looking for is hmm. um, But it, it's a lot more reliant on feelings Yeah I think than actual science um, I mean there is there is at least one place where Chris Pine just says the frequency is love and Chris Pine is playing a physicist so yeah. that was a little bit like okay <laughs> that's the movie that we're that's the movie that we're watching
0: yeah <laughs> um, yeah that is true it is not sci-fi in the sense of like very technical and um jargony um yeah i think that i um you know i think oftentimes like where i think like where the the movie is it's most effective and i think this is true oftentimes for sci-fi movies but like you know just that that sense of wonder um And I think, you know, we see that in their first scene, you know, um, where Reese Witherspoon turns into a green flying... Plant monster. Thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And um, they get to fly along with her. And I think, um, yeah, I think, like, oftentimes you know, you don't need, like, the jargony stuff, um, when you get moments like that, um, and I think that, um, yeah, I think that that, that really was kind of the core, um, was just, yeah, that, like, wonder and that, um, kind of using that in a very, like, in many ways, like, intimate little story about a girl and her dad, Mm -hmm. so yeah that was interesting
1: yeah the story definitely hinges on Meg and her self worth and her relationships to her uh, parents and her brother um, and to um oh god what is the name of the boy Calvin. Calvin and to a lesser extent to Calvin um you know, Storm Reid has to do a lot of heavy lifting, and I think that she does a really good job. Um, there was, you know, she received some criticism when casting was announced because uh, Meg in the books is a white girl. Oh, jeez. Um, yes, <laughs> um, but Ava DuVernay, as a director, I I think used her casting powers um I, I don't think it ultimately matter well okay I'm back up. I appreciate that Ava took an opportunity to also say something kind of sideways mm-hmm. about um a biracial girls uh like Um, relationship to herself and to her parents Um, because while Meg is white in the books, I wouldn't say that her whiteness is important to her character in the books, Um, but by making her biracial in the movie, I do think that we get a chance to say something about the identity of biracial people uh, which I thought was a really clever kind of modern take on her character
0: Yeah Um, Yeah, I mean that makes sense to me, um and i'm I don't know I'm always here for Gugu my bath and Rob being in things, so she yes,
1: she's incredible um, it is we we picked this movie um before Pete and I picked our theme for the next episode of Did you do your homework um But we ended up doing kind of parallel themes. Did Uh, Pete tell you? No. Yeah, we're talking about Afrofuturism on our next episode, which this movie is definitely um, a really cool example of. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the criticisms that the movie um, garnered, I guess, would be the right word, um, was in uh, Oprah's casting which I actually take, yes, there there were some criticisms leveled at the fact that Oprah is just playing herself. Oh. And my response to that is yes, but also it works.
0: Yeah. I I thought
1: she's playing this kind of larger than life maternal figure, which really worked for me. Um, I think that when you are casting for real life goddesses, I, I don't think that Oprah was the incorrect direction right. to look there. Um, yeah, I think she and Reese and Reese Witherspoon and Minnie Kaling all do fabulous jobs at being these kind of semi ethereal um guardian type protectors who are also very weird um and get the best costuming in the whole movie. <laughs> Um, but I I do think that um, seeing because Oprah has a couple scenes where like she's gigantic or um, kind of larger than life or in other like being CGI enhanced in some way Um, and I think that her personality is already so larger than life that it wasn't, it wasn't a stretch, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm word vomiting right now. Oh, um, okay. All of this is to say that that was a criticism that I heard and did not agree
0: with. Um, yeah, that seems like an odd criticism because I feel like it is a very standard thing to do to take you know, celebrities not necessarily known for acting and insert them in roles like designed to like match their persona. Like I don't well, and know I... I don't know why this example is coming to my mind, but LeBron James in Train Wreck is standing out as an example to me.
1: Well, and I think that the criticism is generally like, oh, this is just stunt casting for the attention. And I'm like, well, yeah, but also who cares? Right. Um, and I just, I don't agree with the the idea that Oprah didn't do a good job. Yeah.
0: That. Yeah, that.
1: Uh, one of the other big criticisms was that there was too much CGI in the film, it's like too much CGI and too many plot holes. And first of all, I think the movie looks fantastic. So I can't can't agree with that one. Yeah. Um but the the plot holes, I was wondering how you felt about the like did you did you feel that the plot kind of hangs together or was it making leaps that you um kind of couldn't follow? I do think the movie makes some leaps, but again, I was already so on board that I don't know that my opinion can be trusted (laughs) on whether or not the plot truly hangs together, Um, so I was curious about your opinion on that particular piece of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there was nothing that stuck out to me as a, a giant, big old hole. I mean, certainly, like you said, like you have to take some leaps, but I think they were all... Kind of given a cue um like, for example, when they get to the evil planet, whose name I'm apparently just not gonna remember, um Kamazats. um they're the pretty field they're in just suddenly starts turning into other things, but that had been like given to us in a warning where the misses you know warned meg like this planet is not how it appears like it's going to change on you essentially um
1: well and i have found that as i get older um i need everything to be explained to me much less like yeah. i am much more willing to say sure <laughs> that's fine <laughs> um so so there are there are things that uh, that some people or that I as a younger person may have demanded an explanation for that at this point in my life I'm just like that's fine (laughs) Reese Witherspoon is turning into a giant plant monster that's fine
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I think I think that really depends on the tone of the movie and I think that I don't know I still find myself often being like this kind of came out of left field for certain movies, but I don't think this is one of them. I mean, I think that when the tone of the movie is so much about, like, discovery and space weirdness and, um, you know, physics that hinges on love, like, it makes sense that they're gonna kind of go keep finding a left field and batting there, to use a baseball Mm -hmm. metaphor. You know, whether it's, like, I mean, I guess the extreme counterexample is The Room, right? Where, like, there are so many plot holes and so many things that don't make sense, but that movie takes itself so seriously, you know, unlike its audience, that, um, (laughs) that it really, you really feel that, um... Versus, I feel like there, when there's a movie that's so much, almost even more about like a mood and a tone than a plot, um, that I'm much more willing to kind of let go each step being explained.
1: Well, and I think that this movie, first and foremost, is about characters. So mm-hmm. the the plots, the plot and events are almost secondary to the character growth that happens because of them. Mm. And for me, the characters hang together. So I, I'm i more willing to be like, yeah, okay, the story just took a leap there, but that's okay, because I can see how we're getting from point A to point B with this character.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and... Yeah, and I think that that, um, what okay, I was talking about earlier, like, really, the the journey is, even though the the physical journey is on such a massive space scale, mm-hmm. the, like, emotional journey of this movie is relatively small. It's, you know, a girl and her dad. Yep. um And her brother. Um... I, yeah, I mean, I think versus, you know, if we're going to go back to our interstellar contrast, like, that movie is so much more about Matthew McConaughey in space than it is about him and his daughter. (sighs) I I hated that movie.
1: (laughs) <laughs> that's not fair. I resented that movie, and like I said, I think I could have liked it a lot if it was a tight ninety minutes.
0: Yeah, that's a re- that's a reasonable critique. Um, but yeah, I think well, and I guess to just keep going in the Chris Chris Nolan wheelhouse, like Inception, um, really does have a much tighter emotional arc, like. Okay leo dicaprio like coming to terms with his wife's suicide like it you know there's a much more you know obviously they have the the grand scale of their dream worlds um which i guess there's even an argument to be made that like since the movie is happening literally in a dream it is at the smallest scale possible it is happening (laughs) inside all of them um but like the movie doesn't really lose sight of, you know, what we're really addressing here. You know, the rest of the characters are almost like ciphers. Like, what we're really addressing here is Leo DiCaprio and um, Marion Cotillard. Um, yeah, versus, and I think Interstellar tried to do the same thing, but ended up being so much more into the space <laughs> shit, um that they didn't have that um, same small arc. And... We are we
1: are gonna have Pete bleep out that s word there.
0: Oh, whoops! I I forgot that we do not <laughs> swear on this podcast.
1: That is totally fine. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. So I I think that you know I think that movies about space have to either pick that small arc or that big arc, and oftentimes they do both unsuccessfully. And I think this one picks the small arc. Um, So I don't, I guess I don't understand why people would be, like, care so much about, like, the big spacey arc not looking like they pictured it when they were reading it when they were, like, 12.
1: Oh, well, I mean, everyone is more critical about the things that they loved when they were 12, coming back as adults. Um, I I was not surprised. That this movie, um, I mean, when they announced it, people were like, "No," because they didn't understand how it was going to manifest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, I mean, I do understand the like this didn't turn out the way that we, or that I thought of. I mean, we've all. I guess I don't blame people for being skeptical about it. Mm-hmm. I I do. I do fault people when they let their nostalgia get in the way of forming an opinion about this new piece of media. Um.
0: Yeah, and that can be hard when you, you know, separate, like, what you wanted from a version um, to, like, what you're getting. Um, And and I get that, but yeah, this seems... It seems like a silly instance of it to me. Granted, as someone not wading deep into this fandom, I would
1: actually, if you have a couple hours free at some point, I would give the book another shot. Okay. Right. Um, it won't take you more than like two hours to read. It's not very long, and I think it is a great book. Uh, and there's a there's a couple of them. Madeline Lingle wrote, I think three in the um. Meg Wallace trilogy, and then some additional ones with other characters. Uh, but it's definitely—I I think it holds up. I don't remember. Did you do? When did she write it? 1962. So wow, the, the that novel seems was originally early. written in 1962, um, and I think it holds up.
0: Wow, um, that seems early.
1: Yeah, they get. I think, progressively weirder. Okay. Um, But in a way that really works for me. I I don't know that we will ever see sequels to this movie. Um, But if they made them, I would be into it.
0: Um. Hmm. So I wonder, too, knowing that this, like, is from, like, something so early, and I'm assuming... Because I feel like I have seen, like, and I'm trying to think of them off the top of my head and can't, but I feel like I have seen bits of pieces of this story and of this, like, idea and other, like, things. Um, so I wonder, too, if it's a little bit of the John Carter problem. Um,
1: oh, you you missed the source material, but now you've seen other stuff that draws from the source yes. material, but the, the original doesn't feel as original as it might have.
0: Right. Right.
1: Possibly. But I do think there's still space to go back and explore. Um, like the, the the original piece, um, I, I derive a lot of enjoyment from seeing where things came from. So like, I, I had already read a whole lot of sci-fi before I read Dune, um, and then I read Dune and was like, oh, this is where a lot of these ideas came from. Um, so that is something that I enjoy exploring. Um, I guess it is a bit of a your mileage may vary kind of deal.
0: Well, and, um, and to say, you know, to say for folks that maybe didn't know, you know, where, like, maybe for folks that like didn't read the book and weren't, like, knowledgeable about like the origin i guess mm-hmm. i'm ta- I'm talking less about people who deeply love the book and went to see the movie and more people who are just like i want to go see a movie on friday night and maybe didn't understand the like context sure so i guess
1: that's the other question is do we think that this movie did a good job for people that were not already familiar with the story
0: yeah i mean because i would say like- so it, it made sense to me um and, you know, for... Not, I, I don't think I felt like I had a, like, John Carter moment. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I guess I. that's all just to say I could see where maybe some people could. But, yeah, I mean, it It felt pretty fresh to me.
1: Yeah, I think that Davernay was a really good choice for directing this because I think that she was always going to make the movie that she wanted to make regardless of what other people... Um, like regardless of worrying about what other people were going to think about that like this, this is a very high gloss Disney movie but I think that it is that while also being pretty unapologetically about a biracial girl and about a girl with low self esteem and like, I, th- I think that she was able to make the movie that she wanted to make kind of without a lot of studio notes um, mm. and she strikes me as the kind of director who would just be like totally fearless about making something weird and high concept like this
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. and I'm sure that it was a Disney movie so I'm sure that she got a lot of studio notes but it doesn't feel like it
0: it does feel like while also I mean, I like the term Disney gloss that you used. It it does feel like while also having some Disney gloss, yeah, it's it's certainly not something that I've seen in a Disney movie. Anything else that we wanna say about this
1: one? Um I don't
0: think so. Um I thanks. was
1: curious I was curious about what Storm Reed had done after this yeah. because I really liked her and I Feel like sometimes um, kid actors can like do one really good thing and then we never see them again. Uh, she's a, she's a regular on Euphoria, the HBO show about Gen Z. Uh, <laughs> it's the Zendaya show. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So I'm glad that she's working. I. I feel like I want to watch Euphoria while also being a little afraid of watching Euphoria because I work with children, and part of me is like, oh, no. <laughs> don't. Like, that's, that's like, the age of the kids that I work with, and part of me is like, I don't need to know that much about what they do in their free time.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'm too old for Euphoria. I feel like it is it is not for me, and that is okay. I, <laughs> I am glad that it is there for the Gen Zers. I, I don't feel any particular need to watch it.
1: Yeah. That's a little bit where I'm at with it, too. Um, but, yeah, she was in that. She's in... Oh, she's in The New Invisible Man, which I haven't seen yet, but would really like to.
0: Oh, the one with Elizabeth Moss? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I That is one I will probably not end up seeing. I
1: will, and I'll tell you about it.
0: Okay. Yes, please. Yeah, tell me if it, if my preemptive decision to be like, "Eh, that doesn't seem in my wheelhouse is wrong. Because very likely it could be.
1: Well, and I feel like it could not be in your wheelhouse, but still maybe is worth watching. Yeah. I really, I'm really glad that we're doing The Invisible Man as a straight up and down sociopath again, because that is a take that I wouldn't say that I enjoy, Mm -hmm. but that I find to be more realistic than, like, the doofy do-gooder it's like no a guy who wants to be invisible all the time is probably up to no good (laughs) yeah
0: yeah people would probably not use that power generally for good
1: (laughs) um and she also has a credit on the next suicide squad movie although it does not imdb is not telling me who she is going to play in that movie
0: Mm,
1: okay so that'll be interesting
0: yeah definitely
1: um how did we feel about charles wallace um
0: he yeah i i was here for it It, i think it straddled the line a little bit of i think sometimes precocious kiddos can be a bit much um but i i don't know i thought he was he balanced the precociousness with enough sweetness that i i was okay with it um (laughs) Yeah, I didn't it didn't feel grating. Um mm.
1: which is always I think the the danger with an actor that young. Right. Um but no, I found him to be very likable. Um he he had a difficult job that I think ends up getting a little bit downplayed versus his book counterpart. Um he he came across to me more as just like precocious and and sensitive young child in the book, he is like ethereally super genius kind uh, of deal. Okay. Um, and I I think that the the movie ends up downplaying him a little bit so that Meg can shine a little bit more, which was for this movie I don't think a bad decision.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah, I yeah. I think that this is a this is a slightly watered down version of book charles wallace but i think that for the purposes of this movie that that worked
0: yeah and i think that you know for the number of films where there is just a precocious kid hanging out for no reason this you know he had there was a reason for him to be precocious and it was like integral to the plot um, and not grading, Like, I guess the... Kind of reminded me of, and I forget what her name is, in Shazam, where, um, they're... Like, the one girl's very precocious, and it turns out to be pretty important that she's pretty precocious. The
1: uh, youngest? Yes. The
0: youngest
1: girl? Yes. I just saw that movie recently. Because
0: she, like, helps them find... I forget if she finds, like, his biological mom or... It's been a little while since I've seen it, but I just... I I so appreciated that she was super precocious and it was for a reason. Like, mm-hmm. I always appreciate when movies do that.
1: I believe that we are talking about Faith Herman, who plays Darla. Yes. Yes, she's is incredibly cute. Isn't she great?
0: <laughs> I... Yeah, team Darla.
1: Yes, agreed.
0: Team Darla. Oh, I just love *Suzanne*. So, um, would you recommend this movie to people? Yeah, I think this movie is um very much worth seeing. Um, yeah, I I am glad I I saw it. I
1: also think it's a solid family watch. Oh yeah. Like- I, as a librarian, I'm sure you also get asked this a lot. I'm frequently asked by parents for movies that they can watch with their kids. And I think that this is a great pick. It's smart enough to engage older watchers, but fun enough. And also I think speaking to some universal enough concepts for kids that it's a really solid all ages watch.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I feel like so often like movies for young people like adults find tedious um so i think that yeah it's it's nice to to give them something like this where everyone can get something out of it
1: uh all right what would you recommend to our viewers or our <laughs> viewers our listeners To check out uh, After Wrinkle in Time.
0: Yeah, so interestingly enough, where my brain went um, thinking about movies that this reminded me of was actually my favorite movie as a very young person, Um, the 1982 classic uh, animated film, The Last Unicorn. (gasps) <gasps> um, which Lauren. my mother has stated she will never watch again because I made her watch it, like, 20 times from, like, ages 3 to 5. Uh, <laughs> Do you know, have
1: I told you about my relationship with The Last Unicorn?
0: I I think through Pete I've heard a little bit because I remember him loving reading the book for the first time.
1: So... My relationship was more with the book than the movie, although I do own the movie and I do love the movie. I think it is a perfect adaptation. Um, I checked out that book from the library so many times that when our library, they built a new building when I was 14. Um, So before that, they moved... Like 40% of the collection into a temporary location, most of the collection into storage, and then they um, sold a lot of the books at a book sale, and the librarians just straight gave me Aww. the copy of The Last Unicorn because I had checked it out so much. Um, yeah, I read that book dozens of times growing up. Um, it is my favorite book. <laughs> it is. Oh, I not know that. Yeah,
0: I knew that Pete mentioned that you loved it. I did not know that it it was that deep a, a formative. Oh, mm hmm. Um, and I will admit, I've never read the book. I probably should, but it was a very formative film for me.
1: Um, well, and that one, I feel very safe in saying that if you like the movie, you will also like the book. Okay. Because they are they are the same. Well, no, they're not. They're complementary. Like they are not the same to the extent that I. Don't think you need to read the book, um, but they are complementary entities. Uh, Peter Beagle, the author of the book, wrote the screenplay
0: for the oh, movie. Oh, okay,
1: okay.
0: So he got to adapt it himself. And I feel like that often can go either really well or really badly. Where like either an author is so attached to like laying out everything exactly as they imagined in a book. That like an adaption can become stilt- stilted uh, mm-hmm. I agree, or yeah, or that can go really well when they're able to like understand how their material should be adapted, oh, I did not know that cool um but yeah the the last unicorn for our our listeners who are not familiar is about um. I'm going to pronounce it wrong because it has been a while since I've seen it. Um, Amalthea, um, who that's correct. Okay, cool. Um, learns that she is the very last unicorn, um, and tries to find, um, the rest of what happened to the rest of the unicorns. Um, and she eventually um, becomes human and um, ends up living in the local king's castle. Um, and falling in love with the prince, um, all the while, yeah, trying to find out what happened to the rest of the unicorn, um, and eventually, the unicorns, excuse me, and eventually realizes that, um, the evil king, um, had them all driven into the sea, um, and yeah, it's just a, a beautiful movie that's, you know, a meditation on, you know, with fantastical elements, but is really ultimately a meditation on. I I I thought of it because it kind of reminded me of this theme of like finding something you've lost, um, and really kind of accepting. There's a lot about Amalthea, you know, being torn between staying this innocent, perfect unicorn and you know allowing the experiences she has while being a human to shape her. Um so that, you know, kind of spoke to me for for some similar themes for A Wrinkle in Time of, you know, a hero that is going through both a personal journey um but then also kind of a broader journey um with fantastical elements rather than sci-fi elements. Um but, yeah, a, a movie I love dearly. I uh, wore through the tape. Um, as I mentioned, my mom refuses to watch it again because I made her watch <laughs> it so many times. And she was so funny, too. She was like, and of course you picked, like, the saddest animated film <laughs> to want to watch over and over. Um, it's sad, but it's
1: also funny.
0: Yeah, there is a lot of humor to it, especially early on. Um But yeah, yeah, that is that is my recommendation. Or I guess the the thing that um, A Wrinkle in Time really kind of activated in my brain and reminded me of.
1: My recommendation for you guys is a time travel book. Um, It is a middle grade book called When You Reach Me by Rebecca Stead. Um, It is about Miranda, who's a girl growing up in 1970s New York and she starts to receive some mysterious letters that kind of spin off into three different timelines that the reader gets to explore along with Miranda. Um, So it's like light time travel and also about being a middle grade girl in the seventies and her relationship to her mom. Um, So a lot of some common familial threads along with A Wrinkle in Time, and also just if you enjoy kind of the sci-fi light, or sci-fi that is also mostly about feelings, um, I thought this was a good follow-up to that. It was written in 2009, so it's a little bit newer, um, but the author has uh, talked about how she, one of the reasons she wrote it was because she wanted her kids to get um, some of the experience that she had growing up in New York during the 70s so it has a very strong flavor of um, a very particular place and time that I really enjoyed.
0: I think we should just create a a subject heading of sci-fi that's mostly about feelings.
1: Yeah I mean it's kind of what soft sci-fi is like you you hear about soft sci-fi and hard sci-fi and hard sci-fi is like Star Trek and soft sci-fi is like this kind of stuff where it's more about the the people and the feelings rather than the
0: actual science. Yeah. I just, I like the idea of just creating that subject heading. Oh, I yes. like folks to, to search. <laughs>
1: well, and honestly, that tends to be the sci-fi that I enjoy. Like hard science, I can kind of take or leave. Um, but I want to know how people feel about the time yeah.
0: travel. <laughs> yeah. Ooh.
1: All right. I think that is all we've got for you guys today. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, The next movie we are going to be talking about is Palm Springs. Uh, This one is on, is it on Netflix or Hulu, Maren? Hulu. Okay. This is a Hulu original, I believe, that is dropping this coming Friday. Yeah. 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 So everybody, we will all get a chance to experience it at the same
0: time. Um... It is essentially, it seems like a rom-com version of um, Groundhog's Day um, that is set at a wedding in Palm Springs. It does star Andy Samberg um, and Kristen Milotti, Um So we're going a little outside the
1: boundaries of our usual teen designation, but also this movie looks like such a perfect summer film. And since we have now passed the 4th of July, we are officially in summer so i will let it stand (laughs) (laughs) um and until then uh, please feel free to follow us on social media we share a feed with our sister show did you do your homework that also updates on the same feed on alternating wednesdays Uh, we are mostly on twitter and instagram uh, at dydyh podcast you can also find us on facebook if you'd like to drop us a message You can follow me on social media on all the places at Magical Martha. I, again, am mostly active on Twitter and Instagram. um, And I also write a newsletter that is published about whenever I feel like it. Um, You can find that at tinyletter.com backslash
0: Magical Martha. Marin, where can people find you? Yeah, folks can find me on Twitter at a underscore star underscore danced, where I tweet a lot about Romance novels and maps and the state of Minnesota. So if any of those topics interest you, um, feel free to give me a follow.
1: Well, and all eyes really have been on the state of Minnesota recently. So true, true. Um. I believe that is all we have for you all right now. <laughs> um. We will see you in a couple of weeks, and until then, just remember that we love you.
0: Excellent. Yay. Thank you for, I feel like I am just in, like, such a daze this morning. So oh, thank no, you I for, thought that was good. Well, thanks. I feel, yeah. Thank you for guiding the conversation. I, oh, I just, like, did not fully go back to sleep at any point. So I am struggling. Well, go take a nap. Yeah. Yeah, it might need to be nap time before hike time. Oof.